So my provocation today is that uh, in modern AI, we are running a technological experiment that might prevent us from running future technological experiments. Why is this a problem? Because when we run an experiment, our goal is to learn. And if we don't like what we learn, then we might try another experiment. And through this process, we hopefully eventually come to a solution, a better way of doing things. We are just going to do an experiment that is going to be preventing us from doing future experiments. What happens if what the experiment tells us, the idea that we are testing is not the one we want to pursue? This suggests we're not going to be able to improve on that. And that's going to be a big problem. So what I'm going to be arguing is that the reason why there is a risk that modern AI becomes that last experiment is that the way we are evaluating modern AI uh, and the way we are deciding what technologies to focus on is very much informed by the private value that these technologies create. And in ignoring some public, public aspects of value, it skews the direction of AI technologies in a way that I'm going to argue is problematic. And I'm also going to be uh, talking a bit about how all of these questions around valuation relates to the open model that is generally being used to disseminate uh, AI research and technologies. So what is uh, modern AI? I'm going to argue that modern AI is based uh, on a new paradigm, the paradigm of large language models, transformers, foundation models, I'm not going to get into the technical detail of what these things are. They are generally described as machine learning models that have more than 100 billion parameters. In other words, these are the numbers, the weights in a, in a neural network that summarize patterns in the data. These models are being trained on very big data sets, sort of the, the whole internet using very big computational infrastructure, which is only available to large technology companies and, and companies that collaborate with large technology companies, like, for example, OpenAI. And basically, what the way this works is that these models are trained on this big data and then are released so that uh, users downstream can take those models and use them, or they can also fine-tune those models, use uh, smaller amounts of data to adapt the models to their specific uh, use cases. Like, for example, I might have some data that relates to a problem I have at Nesta. I can take, say, this Tilbert, one large language model that I can download from the Hugging Face uh, app, uh, uh, Python package. And I can combine that model that's been pre-trained with my own uh, data in order to build a model that is going to be working better for the problem I'm trying to solve. So the business model under which these things are being distributed, as I just mentioned, you can actually download these models for free using open source packages like Transformers, which has been developed by Hugging Face, one of the leading organizations in this area. You can also access them through open APIs. So basically you send, basically you send a website, your your data, say, for example, some text, and you will get back the sentiment of that text or the entities in that text. 
And also it's starting to be incorporated in services. And maybe the, the best example we have of, of that, a very recent example, is a co-pilot, which is the, the code recommendation system that has been implemented in GitHub. So this kind of uh, hub-and-spoke model is um, economically reasonable in the sense that it almost like enables a division of labor between the central actors who have the data and the infrastructure to train the models and, and the actors in the, in the edges, like me, who don't have that data, don't have all that infrastructure, but we have a use case, a need, and maybe some small data we can use to fine tune the model. So we get the model from the center, we adapt it and we use it. And it's characterized by openness. A lot of the data that the, these models use is open data, say from the web or from open benchmark data sets. A lot of the code is released as open source, although not of all. And, and many people are making their models open in the sense that like hugging face, anyone can look at the models or, or Meta recently released um, OPT model that again was open for anyone to be able to, to work with and analyze. Um, OpenAI doesn't make their models open in general. And I guess this is partly for uh, commercial reasons, but also to be able to control who uses the model and prevent uh, undesirable applications. So this model has emerged and it's becoming dominant. Recent Economist article suggested that as many as 80% of cutting-edge AI research right now is in this space. And this is the market-driven process. And it's basically there's value to be generated from these models. There's a market for them, industry responding to those incentives and developing them. And I guess that's where the problem is, because perhaps this decision-making driven by private incentives is not taking into account, I guess, important dimensions of value without which there's a risk which we need to consider. And if we don't consider, there's a risk that we uh, take this technology in the wrong direction. And I'm just going to give three examples of, of those tensions. The first one is around externalities. And this is the idea that um, the, the deployment of these models create costs that are outside of the transaction between the organization that's developing the model and its users. An example of that is environmental costs. If these models are very uh, computationally intensive and energy intensive to produce, that creates environmental costs that in some ways are paid by society and the planet. So the question is, how do you get the industry to take that into account? There's concerns around fairness, the fact that these models are trained on very big data sets that include uh, a lot of biases, include lots of toxic content, and, and there's a risk that they uh, themselves reproduce this bias so that they have an indirect impact on, on the outcomes of disadvantaged groups. Again, groups who are not maybe not part of the transaction that uh, is informing the development of this model. There's also the question of labor displacement in the sense that if these models are uh, putting people out of their jobs, again, it's almost like an, in, uh, an indirect impact that they have on society who has to deal with that, I guess, uh, that social disruption and that economic disruption. So I guess like all of these externalities that I just mentioned are in some ways intrinsic to the models and, and this way of doing AI and the kind of technologies which are developed. There are also extrinsic externalities that 
almost like have to do with just how different actors interact with the models and the fact that you might get malicious actors that try to misuse the models or, or, or use them for illegal, for example, purposes, like, for example, to generate misinformation or toxic content. This is the, the this question of externalities has interesting connections with um, openness of, of this ecosystem in the sense that openness and the have and spoke model might reduce some of the environmental impacts uh, of this way of doing AI because um, in a way it reduces the need for everyone to train their models because they are, the models are only trained by the central players and then they are just um, uh, deployed and fine-tuned uh, by, I guess, the mass of users uh, downstream. Openness makes models more scrutable. It's easier to look at them and understand what's going on with them and assess them for bias and toxicity and accuracy and safety. Uh, and for example, that was one of the main rationales why, why Meta made its OPT uh, model publicly available recently so that people could look at it and learn from it. At the same time, openness enabled dual use so that it makes it possible for anyone to work with these models and to use them. And sometimes they use them for things we don't like. An example of this is the recent GPT 4chan controversy where uh, someone took one of these uh, language models and they basically, they trained it on the uh, 4chan uh, internet forum and, and they built, use that to build a chatbot that I guess generated a lot of toxic content and they actually released that on the internet. So that's an example of a dual use and desirable application that becomes possible because the models are open. The second area of tension has to do with the industrial structure that is uh, generated by this way of doing AI. Uh, and it's a, it's, in, it's a structure which is centralized. And it's an in structure where there's a lot of asymmetry between the players in the center and the players in the periphery. The players in the center are building these things, know how to build them, know how they, how they work. The players in the periphery are just users. And very often, either they can't look inside the systems, or even if they could, they wouldn't understand what's there because these models are not uh, designed to be interpretable. This can create a centralization of knowledge and power and actually prevent the actors in the periphery for, I guess, having agency and being empowered to develop technologies to address their own problems. Um, and it can also create exclusive innovation. We know that the workforce of large technology companies is not uh, representative of the population in many ways, and their preferences, biases, interests might not be aligned with the wider population, and this might lead to neglecting uh, important questions and use cases. Openness of models and data, in principle, could help to address some of these issues by facilitating competition, in principle, making it possible for people to enter the sector, and also in some far the models are available, it might be easier to understand how they work, what they do, and learn from them. And we have seen a few players in the ecosystem uh, who are not motivated, not, not as profit motivated. And obviously that's the way OpenAI was set up to be. We also have Eleuther AI, Hugging Face, and, and other companies that are coming in and are able to do so because of the openness. And maybe that can help to reduce some of these asymmetries in information and power. At the same time, openness, because all of these models are out there and open and available for anyone to use, 
my speed up the adoption of this way of doing AI and discourage the exploration of alternatives. Why try to build a completely new to, new way to do AI when it's so easy to get, a, get, get on with the program and, and the mainstream way of doing things. Finally, and maybe this is a, a follow-up from the previous issue, there's a question that um, technological diversity is a public good and in the sense that we would like there to be lots of different technologies in the market that might be used for to solve different problems and, and maybe have different uh, issues and limitations. We would have liked the the market for cars to be much more diversified and not be so reliant on combustion engines because that would have meant that when we started to discover the impacts of carbon emissions on climate change, we, we could have switched really easily to electric. But we didn't have that because the market had chosen already like to focus on one technology. And then the reason for this is that we all would like there to be more technological options, but when we as innovators are choosing what technology to focus on, it's unlikely we will be focusing on the on the second tier, like the clunky technology. We would prefer to go for the, the one that's more widely adopted and more popular and, and more, more likely to sell. And this leads to an under-provision of technological diversity. And in some ways, what we're seeing now with the in, in modern AI is that as the large language model, foundation model approach to doing AI is becoming dominant, other research lines uh, are being neglected. And, and this is something that we have evidence in our own uh, research at Nesta, with a couple of papers on narrowing of AI research and also the extent to which academic researchers are moving into industry and maybe hollowing out our ability to do public interest uh, AI research. And what this, you know, as these things happen, the system becomes less resilient, less inclusive, because there's a smaller number of groups controlling what's happening. And we have technologies which are more homogeneous and maybe less flexible uh, and adaptable to different use cases. And we'd also, we might also get less innovation in the sense that there are less, a less wide range of ideas that could be combined to generate innov innovative outputs. And yeah, the role of, of, of openness in, 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 in here is again to, in a way, to make it easier to adopt the mainstream paradigm and perhaps discouraging the exploration of alternatives. So in a way, openness helps information move faster, but actually sometimes what you need to have innovation is, is some frictions in how innovation moves so that different actors have spaces to try different ideas instead of adopting whatever is the, the, the dominant idea. So th those are my three areas of tension. I'm going to conclude by asking the question of how do we preserve the capability to run alternative experiments in modern AI? Market is solving problems within the existing paradigm, but who will create challenges to this paradigm? Perhaps government can, can, can help change the rules of the game, for example, through regulation that uh, encourages diversity and maybe forces the sector to internalize some of the external analysis it creates around the environment, around fairness, and so forth. But maybe the government can also become a player, you know, and encourage the development of uh, new trajectories for AI through research funding, and also by making computational power and data available for a wider set of players so that more people and more perspectives come into uh, developing AI systems to give us that diversity and that flexibility to adapt to different use cases uh, across all of society. And yes, uh, as noted, the openness has interesting interactions with all of these tensions, and sometimes it helps to alleviate some of the issues, like, for example, 
by helping to create more competition or helping to make models more transparent and help us to give, give us the opportunity to look at them, to figure out what they're doing. But it can also massively accelerate adoption and create homogenization and give tools to bad actors and malicious players who might want to deploy this technology in undesirable directions. So it's very important that we, I guess, understand these complex interactions between complexity and the things I've been talking about and put in place policies and ways of working that maximize the benefits uh, while mitigating the risks. And yeah, that's it for me. Thank you very much.